All right, so uh, since this is a short little deal, let's, uh, let's see if we can't just read this Acts uh, 18 and 19 thing. Uh, we go down to the end of 19, picking up in 18, 19. Does somebody want to read that out loud for us? We got one of those word Bibles, huh? Okay. You want someone to read the whole thing? Is, you know, read a couple of paragraphs and then we'll move around. I have it. I can start. Right. Well, you can start for us. Verse 19 of 18. Verse they, 19 of 18, right. That's a great way of putting it. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there. This speaking of Aquila and Priscilla. But he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. <clears throat> Great Jewish phrase there, God wills. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, or the assembly, the ecclesia. There you go. And so, then went so down... The, the if God wills thing in Bezrat Hashem, right? We hear right. that all the time. Right. This is the first time reading through this I ever saw and, and made the connection. Wait, they say it all the time. Right. In fact, it's, it's basically an exact translation. Exactly right, yeah. Um, which is also intriguing. Well, yeah, it's kind of like Lord Willing, same right, idea. Right, but, right. Um, the and then Muslims also say, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Muslims say Ikala. Ikala. Ikala meaning Allah wills. That's good to know. It's good to know. Thanks. If you sharing. hear someone say that, then yeah. run away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Oh, that's Allah Akbar or something. Yeah, that's the that's the one you want to run away from. <laughs> when uh, and he says sail from Ephesus. When he had landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the assembly, and then went down to Antioch. After spending some time there, he departed and went from one place to the next through the region of Galatia and Phrygia, strengthening all the disciples. Now a Jew named Apollos, native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord. And being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Yeshua, though he knew only the baptism of John. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, but when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those who through grace had believed, for he powerfully, powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah was Yeshua. Thank you. So Pick up in 19. And it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, Do you receive the Holy Spirit when you believe? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, No, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, Into Don's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him was coming after him, that is, in Yeshua. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Messiah Yeshua. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. They were in, they, there were in all about twelve men. And he entered the synagogue and continued speaking about <clears throat> speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of 
Tyrannus. <clears throat> this took place for two years, so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. All right, super. Um, I have in verse 9, stubborn, you have hardened. Um, it's, uh, does anybody have anything else? Is that it? Stubborn. Stubborn? I have stubborn. Yeah. Um, hardened is probably a better translation. Uh, scleruno is where we get the word sclerosis, or hardening of the arteries. So it really is a, a stiffening and a hardening, you know, um, not able to move. So. Cool. Caleb? Right. And God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were carried away to the sick, and their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out. Came, sorry. And their diseases left them, and the evil spirits came out of them. Then some of the in, in, itinerant, itinerant, thank you, Jew, itinerant Jewish exorcists undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims. Seven sons of a Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit answered them, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? And the man in whom, and, and the man in whom was the evil spirit leaped on them, mastered all, mastered all of them, and overpowered them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. I hate it when that happens. Mm. And this, and this I can't remember the last time I ran out naked and wounded. I just hate it so much. Yeah, when we were kids, that happened. And then, let's see. Okay, where was I? All right. Hey. And this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jews and Greeks. And fear fell upon them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus was extolled. Also, many of those who were now believers keepers, 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 magic arts, brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. And they counted the value of them and found it came to 50,000 pieces of silver. So the word of the Lord continued to increase and prevail mightily. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Can you read on that tiny little screen? Yeah. It's not as tiny as this screen, but it's tiny. It, that is a tiny one. It is really amazingly tiny. Now after these events, Paul resolved in the spirit to pass through Macedonia and Achaia to go to Jerusalem, saying, After I have been there, I must also see Rome. And having sent into Macedonia two of his helpers, Timothy and Aristus, he himself stayed in Asia for a while. About that time, there arose no little disturbance concerning the way, for a man named Demetri, Demetri, Demetrius, a silversmith, who made silver shrines of Artemis, brought, little, brought no little business to the craftsmen. These he gathered together with the workmen in similar trades and said, Men, you know that from this business we have our wealth, and you see and hear that not only in Ephesus but in almost all of Asia this Paul has persuaded and turned away a great many people, saying that gods made with hands are not gods. And there is danger not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis may be counted as nothing and that she may even be disposed from her magnificence, she whom all Asia and the world worship. When they heard this, they were enraged and were crying out, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. So the city was filled with, the confu with confusion, 
and they rushed together into the theater, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, Macedonians who were Paul's companions in travel. But when Paul wished to go in among the crowd, the disciples would not let him. And even some of the Asiarchs, who were friends of his, sent to him and were urging him not to venture into the theater. Now some cried out one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd prompted Alexander, who put the Jews, who, whom the Jews had put forward, and Alexander, motioning with his hand, wanted to make a defense to the crowd. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours they had all cried out with one voice, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. You know, they're just in a complete uproar. And half of them don't even know why they're there. But they're all upset. It just really reminds me of the, uh, the riots that took place in Charlotte exactly. last year, where it's like, I don't even know why we're here, but let's throw this chair through the window of Buffalo Wild Wings. You know, it's like... <laughs> yeah. You want to read? You want to read? Yeah. Big enough. At last, the city clerk was able to quiet the, the crowd. Men of Ephesus, he said, is there anyone who doesn't know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis. Artemis, and of the sacred stone which fell from the sky. Since this is beyond dispute, you had better calm down and not do anything rash, for you have brought these men here who have neither robbed the temple nor insulted your goddess. So if Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a complaint against anyone, the courts are open and the judges are there. Let them bring charges and counter charges. But if there is something more you want, it will have to be settled in a lawful assembly. For we are in danger of being accursed, of rioting on account of what has happened today. There is no justification for it. And if we are asked, we will be unable to give any reasonable explanation for this disorderly gathering. I got commotion. <laughs> and with these words, he dismissed the assembly. So this guy that said that, Kind of, kind of clipped it, but he had to wait two hours for them to stop chanting. I mean, go ahead, sir. That's the end. Well, it is the end. Yeah. Well, after the uproar ceased, he said. it kind of reminds me of you know, Greg's description of what happened when he got named to the board of his. That's right, everybody. Housing <laughs> Association. <laughs> yeah. You know, people are all upset because he wasn't on the ballot and there was you know, chanting and... Long live Greg! <laughs> <laughs> it would have been cool if Greg someone of stood, as it said, someone stood up and recognized that he was a Jew. Oh, yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah. I'm a Jew? That didn't happen. All right, so let's, let's uh, before we get uh, to, that, uh, to that town, let's go ahead and back up to... Uh, back, back to Ephesus? Back to 18, yeah. You asked at the end of this lesson the geographic journey that Paul goes, and um, the shape that comes to mind is a circle. Absolutely. He goes all the way around and comes all the way back again. comes all the way back. That's exactly right. So, what, what, tell me about Apollos, because I'm, I'm, as you can see from the, from the study guide, I'm just a little... First off, he has a really great Jewish name. Wait, no. <laughs> all right. How do you know he's Jewish? Because <laughs> it says so. It says specifically he's Jewish. But so where is he from? Alexander. That, that would have put it out. But he's from Alexandria, exactly. which is important because so what's 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 in Alexandria? What happened there? What's in the Egypt? It's in Egypt. It's in Egypt, and it was the um, second or third largest Jewish, Jewish population outside yeah. of 
but well, anywhere. Right. We um, had three big populations of Jews on the planet. Yeah. Israel, Jerusalem, obviously, and Alexandria, and Babylon. and Babylon, where the folks just never came home. You know, not unlike not unlike today, right? So, what else was Alexandria famous for? Subjugations. They requested these are Greek-speaking Jews that just are not that good with Hebrew anymore, and requested that the the the, the scriptures. Because in that day there was no apostolic writings. The scriptures be translated into, into Greek for them. So this is essentially the Hellenized Jewish capital of the world. Yes. Um, and and from whence folks coming up for the festivals come up. Right. And mm-hmm. as we read in Acts, much, much they speak Greek. long ago, they speak Greek and the, the Hellenist Jews and there arose a dispute between Right. So here we go. Right. Yeah. But I mean yeah. Alexandria, it's hard to remember this because Egypt today is so very much an Arab Muslim country, but at the time, Alexandria was the home of the giant library. I mean, Absolutely. it was like one of the centers of Greek learning. So mm-hmm. it makes sense that the Hellenized Jews had their base there. So I think that I think that explains the rather un-Jewish name that Apollos has. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, in fact, more importantly, especially if you think about the the tradition. So back, we just got, um, we're going through the numbers right now, Book of Numbers in the Torah portion. They go through the census and they go through all these names. One of the things the sages point out about the Exodus is that despite hundreds of years in captivity, the Jews Still stuck not. with Jewish name, Hebrew names. Well, Apollos' parents obviously didn't do that. So um, it stands out that he seen, he knows anything about God, quite frankly. Kind of like an Orthodox Jew today naming their son Jesus. Yes. Right, yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> a, a weird there. Yeah, yeah, or Muhammad. It's a really weird name. I mean, Apollos is a... Um, it's a Greek god, so it's kind of an interesting, right? Not just a Greek god, but top of the Parthenon, right? He's he's isn't he isn't he the big cheese? He's the, he's the equivalent of Zeus, isn't he? He's the son of Zeus. Oh, he's the son of Zeus. Okay, so he's like son of Zeus in, in Greek mythology. He was the sun god. Is one of one of his monikers? Okay, not the only one. But, okay. Um, so he had about the highest position. That you could have and not be Zeus. <laughs> so, Apollo in Greek mythology, Ra in Egyptian, ancient Egyptian right, mythology, right. the same gods, different cultures, different gods. Apollyon in Hebrew, yeah. from Revelation. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we know he's Greek, we know he's Jewish. you a follower of Messiah? Yes. Okay. Yes. Somewhat. He seems to know whatever John said. So John the baptizer is where he learned about Yeshua. Don't it, you find that odd? It is interesting considering the fact that John's comments about Yeshua are pretty limited. There's not a lot. Not only that, but geographically. Yeah, geographically. Yeah. Where did that happen? He's on the other side of the Jordan. But this isn't the only time. So on one of Paul's other journeys, he runs into people who are of the baptism of John. Only John. Yeah. And and so it's clear that uh, disciples of his or you know Pharisees that were journeying, doing missionary work, whatever, had brought this message yeah. somehow. Or people going to Jerusalem for the, 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 sac- the mm-hmm. holidays had connected somehow with this. And this is what Apollos has learned, and he's teaching that. Exactly. I, I mean, because verse 25 says that he being fervent 
fervent in spirit was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Yeshua. Right. Being acquainted only with the baptism. So, you know. so little little Greek, right? Uh, Catechetto. So we're we're looking at where we get catechism instruction, right? And normally by repeating orally. That's the catechism, right? What is the chief end of God? Uh, chief end of man. So chief end of man. That's it, right? <laughs> what is the chief end of man? The chief end of man is to look at and enjoy him forever, right? So, so that 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 is how he learned, right? So, um, what did what what did Priscilla and Aquila do? What did they teach him? How do you teach someone? Uh, more accurately more accurate way what what did he have so what stood out role? to me okay so i actually wrote the teachings of yeshua when i first read this when you asked me to say what i learned about apollos okay because everyone i've ever heard teach from this passage says he understood what john had said priscilla and aquila fill in the rest of the details you know he died he rose again he's messiah he's all this stuff right okay so but what stood out to me is when you asked the question and i thought more deeply about it i realized Yeshua doesn't get mentioned in that sentence. They doesn't say Priscilla and Aquila taught him Yeshua more accurately, exactly. which would have made more sense. If, if in fact, that's, that's what they were doing. doing. One would think it's difficult to teach that Yeshua is the Messiah without talking about his resurrection. It's really a key point. It's definitely a challenge, especially given that he was dead by that point. According to Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians that we're going to go through. Without the resurrection, we are without hope. Right. So we can only assume, since he was doing it accurately about Yeshua, that he had that part down. Maybe. But contextually, um, it's, I mean, I think it's okay to, to infer or assume that they pulled him aside and, and taught him some either other information he wasn't aware of or some additional nuances of, regarding Yeshua because it says in verse 25 that he's speaking and teaching accurately concerning Yeshua. Accurately. And, and he was speaking, and then verse 26, and he was speaking boldly in the synagogue when they heard him. So just contextually, he's, it makes it clear he's speaking and teaching about Yeshua. And powerfully refuting the Jews on that point. Right, and and so it's not. I don't think it's incorrect to make the inference that Priscilla and Aquila heard him speaking and teaching about Yeshua, and pulled him aside and gave him filled in a few blanks or showed him some nuances that were relevant or something. Okay, well, and to go to your point, so you brought up the way of God is the phrase that's used there. Yeah, and, and I and I tried to juxtapose that way of God to way of the way Lord, of the Lord right. which quite frankly, the way of the Lord. I think there's a couple of different ways to read that. Number one. Um, the first thing you brought up, Abraham, which was a good reference, but also the thing about John is prepare the way of the Lord. I mean, there's the that whole, yeah. And then, um, but Lord also there in Greek is, is ambiguous. We don't know if it's referring to the Lord Yeshua, who, who gets that reference on multiple occasions in the apostolic writings, or if it's referring to Hashem as, as a proper name. Either one is, I mean, it's technically the same person, but the point that I'm trying to get at is that is it, a different, it would have been odd, there's a nuance though. of teaching. Yeah, I think it would have been odd with one writer writing this one paragraph to ambiguously put Lord 
juxtaposed with God well, but and it, mean the same thing. Well, you agree? Well, that's what I was saying. Is that like if well, right? So I was saying that if if Lord is reference to Yeshua, then the way of God could be a different element of the teaching. Almost like my here's my thought. So going back to your comment about Yeshua, so he gets John the Baptist baptism and teaching. Read John's commentary. It is heavy on repentance, obviously. That's, mm-hmm. the, best, that's the message. Sure. But specifically, it's heavy on um, ethical repentance. It's heavy on interrelational repentance. Um, it's heavy on on what we what you would... Um, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? Um, the horizontal stuff. Yeah, More so, than this. so not so much the vertical. I mean, right. John is teaching... In many ways, he's, he's teaching to people who should already know all that. Apollos doesn't come from a background who knows all that. So the theory that I have, this is just my own thoughts, I wonder if what he's missing really is a lot of Torah. Like, he may have had the basics down. We assume he probably was on holiday. That's probably why he even heard about John. Okay. But I was thinking thinking about, you went, you quoted the way of God, and it was in reference to Yeshua, that you they, the Pharisees tell him, you teach the way of God without bias. And I'm wondering now if maybe when they pull him aside, if it's what they're filling him in on is, okay, halakhically speaking, Here's how Yeshua lives. He's a righteous Jew. He nice, was a Pharisee. Nice. He does it this way. He keeps Shabbat this way. Like, like we love the fact that you're teaching people that Yeshua is Messiah, and because of that, you need to love your neighbor. You got that. But by the way, while you're at it, maybe going out for the cheeseburger after Shabbat service was not the best move. I like the idea that Apollos might not be as familiar with the Torah as perhaps a Hebrew you raised in the land. I got him, then I got you. Although so, 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 <clears throat> exactly. So the the only the only reason I don't know about that is because back in twenty four, mm-hmm. the in the description of him it says competent in the scriptures. And the only thing that could mean is the Torah. That's yes. correct. That's good point. Good point. The, Nicely done. So but and then after though I, I feel like the key for me in wondering what this meant and I wanted to get your thoughts was at the end of twenty eight it says there's this. It, it, it almost is written in a way that this hadn't happened before, and since he was instructed now, and it says, showing he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that Messiah was Yeshua. But, but so that's a good point. So I, from that, we should I think uh, we should we should take away that he knew Tanakh. I I think that's. Right. I think that's true. It had to but that doesn't that still doesn't necessarily mean he knew halakha. Or Yeshua's halakha. Right. And that it matched a lot of times the Pharisaic halakha and so forth. Right. Absolutely. I mean, Christians know Tanakh. Yeah. And the flannel graph and the whole deal. But, yeah, here, that's a good point. That's good. I like but, that. And actually, going back to your yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, sorry. I was just going to support everything you are Saying that, uh, <laughs> <Whatever they> say. <laughs> you're right. He's right too. I'm seeing that you know he doesn't yeah. seem to have come from a Jewish family. So I mean, not saying. I mean, obviously he's complicated. Wait, wait, wait. Who did he come from? A Jewish family? No, yeah. I'm saying. I'm saying not a. He probably didn't come from a observant. Observant Jewish okay, family. Okay, yeah, sure. Like it's, po- it's, it's possible. I mean, I, I don't think we should sit here and just ding. All Greek Jews, but yeah, okay. Just the name. Obviously, he was missing something. Doesn't. And he got the name. I got you. Go ahead. I think so. And then uh, learning John would be learning from probably people that walked with Jesus and were, you know, in his life. And so he's learning a lot of 
what was actually going on and happening, whereas uh, Priscilla and Aquila and Aquila 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 there we go are have spent a whole lot of time with Paul, and Paul didn't walk with Yeshua and. He, he comes to know Yeshua through the scriptures because of his incredible knowledge sure. of the scriptures. So um, it does sort of sound like if they're going to instruct him in anything, it sounds like they've been instructing him from Torah and from Paul's teaching, which would also be kind of the Torah side. Let me, mm-hmm. let me just throw in just something to get you to think. I know both of you are just okay. confident. So let me just let me, <laughs> see if I can. I'm going to forget it. All right. Okay, good. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. So, so if um, if if I'm going to go shooting with Caleb, and we're going to do handgun stuff, I mean, the natural tendency when I shoot with anyone is I want to help them shoot more accurately. That's why people want to shoot with me. I can help them shoot more accurately. What does this imply about the way they are shooting before? I help them. Less they're, accurate? They're less accurate. They're perhaps inaccurate. That doesn't mean they're not hitting the target. They're just not hitting it precisely, accurately or precisely. Te- technique, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I'm just wondering why the writer, the good doctor, who's great with words, chose to put in that phrase that they taught him the way of God more accurately. You're all lifting the guy up and saying, you know, he was great. He's, he's, he's sparring with the Jews and he's holding his own and he's actually powerfully convincing them that Yeshua is the Messiah. Something was, I could argue, inaccurate about his presentation. I'm just wondering if we can discern, since he goes out of his way to use that, can we not discern what it might have been that was inaccurate and, and cause their ears to go, oh, we, we, we need to chat with him. All right, so I got you next. I got, I mean, you, you flinched ahead, so you're first, and then you got, you can you still remember? No, okay, no, no, good. So. Go ahead. So just behind what you're saying, actually, everyone's really saying. Oh, yeah, we're all beating verse around 20, the same book. So after they explain it more accurately, verse 28 says, he power, then he says, he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, showing by the scriptures that the Messiah was Yeshua. Was Yeshua. And it kind of makes me think about, um, you know, oftentimes I feel like Christianity tends to oversimplify the Tanakh's version of Yeshua. Okay. They pull these random verses we all learned, Isaiah 9, 6, you know. Sure. We, Got Isaiah 53 down and whatever else, but it's not like a, it's not a particularly nuanced or well-rounded understanding of how Yeshua fits in the, in the Tanakh. Or if you're coming from a strictly Tanakh perspective, it's a false Messiah. Sometimes, right? sometimes it's a, who, incorrect. Who, yeah. And so like, if or you, inaccurate. And, and if you pull a verse out, like Isaiah 9, 6 is an example, you know, it's a great, great, excellent verse, but out of context, um, if you don't have... A knowledge of all, knowledge of, all of the different details. Of, yeah. Someone's going to respond back to you, a Jew in public. They're going to slam dunk you mm-hmm. because you'd have no idea what you're talking about. And that's kind of what it feels like here. Like one possibility is that his, it wasn't that his teaching was wrong. It was that it wasn't particularly well fleshed out from the scriptures. I like that. And that 
So eschatologically, or not not eschatologically, etymologically, he may not have 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 been in there to. to So like you know the comment about Paul knows the scriptures right. So this is he's like the king of like midrash and quotes, and he's pulling stuff from all over the places and stringing pearls and. You know, it's like, so Priscilla and Aquila, they, they have a lot to give Apollos. Sure. And it seems like he's speaking boldly earlier in the synagogue, but it's after he learns that he speaks powerfully. Okay. Like, there's two different things. I like it. I like it. So he, we see a change based on their It's instrument. more effective now. I like it. That was basically what I was going to say. <laughs> I was just going to use the word, um, he like, it's, it sounded like they taught him the proofs. It sounded like okay. he knew the catchphrases where yeah. he'd be like, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then if a Jew said, like, why? Show me where. Then it'd be like, yeah, okay. we'll talk I later. Like that. But then I like that. Priscilla and Aquila come and they're like, by the way, everything you're saying is right, but there's a lot of reasoning behind all of that. And we can literally prove this to you, which is why the, the, that last verse to me really is where... It brings it we, home. Yeah. So, because so it's not us. just, like to Joshua's point, it's a, there's a difference in his refutation... But the difference in his refutation is because now it actually he's able to use the same scriptures he was already familiar with and to back up his points yeah, about Yeshua. I like that. So it connected like both that instead of just with, having them separate. Yeah, and it which helps it with the like accuracy force. Right? It's not that he was wrong, he was simply inaccurate. He wasn't getting down as he wasn't aiming small and missing small, you know. That right. kind of thing. So now he can he can hone in using those scriptures more powerfully. I like that. Yeah, I, I do too, and I think that's probably when I kind of weigh all the all the evidence. Is probably what he, to me the most plausible explanation of what happens here. Mm-hmm. The only other thing that comes to mind, and maybe this is reaching a little bit, but um, it immediately. You know, at the beginning of chapter 19, you know, and there wasn't necessarily chapter and verse when it was mm-hmm. originally penned, right? It says, verse 1, it says, It happened while Apollos was at Corinth. So it's, it continues to tie Apollos, and it goes into the conversation that Paul has with some disciples about, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they say, no, we didn't even know and, such a thing. And, 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 and that's exactly where Apollos had just been. Right. And, and, and it would make sense because John's baptism, which is what he was acquainted with, was not a baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's right. And that's it, where it was a baptism was for just, repentance. So Apollos is teaching that. Paul, he leaves just as Paul arrives. I mean, it's, it's almost right. comical. And it's like Paul's gym cleanup crew. Exactly. So, so, so Paul's Paul's got. So that could be a clue as to. You what spoke to Apollos before Priscilla and yes. Aquila got to. Hang on, I got some things I can, to say. I can fix this. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. So, but and, and the reason I think that's more significant is because his very first question is, you know, did you receive the Holy Spirit, or or to say that another way, been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Right. Exactly. Which is a baptism that Yeshua brings. You know, the faith in Yeshua brings versus the baptism of John. Right. So. Interestingly, John knew that. I beg your pardon. It's, uh, it's building off everything that's already said. It's just he's shooting accurately, but yet there's a, I guess, a larger view, a bigger picture of 
He's in the circle, just not in the bullseye. Yeah, it's, it, it, yeah. yeah. He's obviously he's not wrong. Right. Yeah, he's hitting. The... <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, exactly. So Yeshua knew about the baptism of the Spirit. So how is it? How is it that we're bumping into all these people that only know the baptism of John? Is it because I'm just going to speculate? The vast majority of them heard his message of baptism for repentance before the master came on the scene. Remember, he was already out there baptizing. There were crowds coming to him by the time Yeshua showed up. Maybe that's why. Because John made it clear, I'm going to baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Plus, I, th I think a baptism of repentance is more easily discerned from the scripture. Agreed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, right. it's it's the primary reason if unless there's uncleanness right. that you bat I mean baptism in the Holy Spirit, you have to you, you really have to kind of be a little mm. more nuanced in your understanding of yes, more it's there. It's there, right. It's there, but you have to be more nuanced, I think. Yeah. To draw that whole kind yeah, of and string theology. those pearls and put yeah, it yeah. And also, I think too that you remember that, that the way is essentially a hermit sect at first. It stays in Jerusalem, a hermit sect. Hermit sect. Like okay. they 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 camp out in Jerusalem from the time. Well, they're that, a temple sect. They're, they're a temple sect. The temple. But there, but I mean, it's like there's not. There really isn't. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of movement out of Jerusalem until Paul starts persecution. Well. Based on the, the timeline and whatnot, this isn't that long after that. And Paul seems to be, as far as we can tell, the first one of the way to be going out to these distant places. Oh, yeah. He's, in Asia he is and the missionary. So they're not, they've never been exposed to the stuff. I mean, this is, this is before CNN, it's before yeah. the internet. Yeah. yeah. So there's no way for somebody in Ephesus to hear what happened unless somebody comes all the way from Jerusalem and tells them. Yeah. Yeshua's um, situation is is uh complicated to say the least i mean the guy was claiming to be messiah the only public thing that everybody saw is he died the only ones who know he came back to life again is a fairly small group that's growing and becoming very large but they haven't spread very far so by this point at least and that's one reason like later on you ask the question you know the demetrius makes this comment about all of asia that, that paul is basically yeah. rocking the He's entire continent but. And I think a bit, one of the reasons for that is that he is bringing really a brand new teaching. So it's like, I think it'd be a challenge today. Well, his teaching, to your point, hits home with those that have heard about John's right. repentance. Well, and also the Tanakh itself, it all fits together. Because yeah. he's going to the synagogues. But the point, though, is that like it's still, it's a new, it's a new understanding of the traditions and the teachings. I, I, I think a more... A more recent parallel um, it would be maybe the Baal Shem Tov and the teaching of, of, of Hasidut, right? Mm -hmm. That was kind of a new thing in terms of Hasidic teaching for right. the masses, right. right? And it made a lot of the elite, you know, yeah, in the Jewish world at the time very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. um, because the elite were very much intellectual, and this guy's getting all spiritual on yeah, us. And, yeah, we're serious people. You know, uh, 
but then look what look what Hussy Dude has done to yeah. you know now pretty much every you know uh, every denomination and faction within Judaism has been impacted yeah, in some so way yeah, by true. Hasidic teaching yeah. right yeah and so that's kind of like a a kind of a, a more modern movement in Judaism that maybe not to the same degree or to the same significance but might be kind of similar to what's happening here right yeah. this now we have this real outreach I mean Judaism has always it has always had some kind of outreach or impact on the world around it, right? And unfortunately, sometimes the world, you know, had a lot of impact on Judaism as well. But, but this is like this is a, a new thing, and it's like taking the world literally by storm. Mm-hmm. Like it's like sweeping across, you know, the Middle East and Central Asia and into into you know parts of Western Europe and or Eastern Europe. And it's also fitting in. Um, really well with religious trends globally at the time so at that time frame like we get um one of the things that's becoming more and more catchy is these terms i learned in college was mystery religions it's these new religions that are breaking out that are essentially um kind of challenging the traditional pantheon system at least they're focusing it it's kind of like you have one character that you're really following that's kind of the, the centralized focus of the religion so um, Judaism, which is already appealing, we already got all these Jew- people, Greeks, coming to, to oh, yeah. Jerusalem. Yeah. Then you add on top of that that this is a messianic figure that really, it, there's a t- it's a time in history when people are looking for that. They're, they're, kind of t- they're kind of all coming to the Abrahamic conclusion that there's something wrong with the, a, a lot of gods. It doesn't make sense. Sure. And, and the, way, the way the scripture puts it is that in the fullness of time, right. God sent forth His Son. You know, we, yeah, it, it just was perfect timing. It was all perfect timing. leading to Rome, exactly. which means all, all roads lead really. away from Rome. <laughs> you know. But yeah. I also think that, and this is something, to your, I know this is toward Israel lesson, but I just wanted to key in on this now because we're talking about it. I think one of the other reasons why Paul's impact is so dramatic is the story of Sceva is such an excellent contrast. So in the first part of that account, they're taking hankies, from Paul, dropping him on sick people and demonic possessed people, and they're instantly healed. Then, and, and sometimes they're not even Paul's hankies. Right. They just right. touched his skin. Right. Whoosh, yeah. I got this one. Yeah. You know, I mean, they glow on the way back. That's I don't right. Know. But then, then the the sons of Sceva, they come and they try their best to copy Paul, and the response from the demonic power is. Funny. really funny it but, is funny it's but, hilarious but more than that though sure. I think it's <laughs> so important I, yeah who are you, who are you? <laughs> but see that's the point and that's what I'm trying to get at the, the reason why Paul is so impactful is because it's who he was I mean if you look at the in the history of uh, even in Christianity the truly or the Baal Shem Tov you know whatever the epic missionaries the ones that changed the world they were on a whole new level of holiness oh, yeah. They were, I mean, I think of people like, you know, you know, the Watchman Nee, the, the Hudson Taylors of Christianity, yeah, the, yeah. yeah, the Baal Shem Tovs of Judaism. I mean, these men, um, their entire lives were consumed by God. Yes. And that's really what happened. And people happened. knew it. And, pe- and that's really what's happened to Paul. And because of that, he is, he is literally infused with the power of God so that he's doing miracles by accident yeah. because God is so just pouring out of him. 
So that kind of a person... And not, and not only just Paul, but I mean, you know... Oh, right. It's spreading, too. shadow would fall on somebody and they'd get healed. Right, right. right. So... Which there's a, I think it's better than the hanky deal. <laughs> so even though Shaul wasn't one of the original 12 and actually walked physically, you know, with Yeshua um, while he was here, we do know that he had a genuine encounter. No so much so that, it, you know, it transformed his life, right? Yeah. So what, what the takeaway for me from all that is people who... Um, people who live in close proximity to Hashem, Moshe, you know, you know, we could go down the list of kind of the, you know, all these people yeah. who we know were these people that just had a unique, extremely close relationship to Hashem, and they often paid great personal price mm. for the proximity to, to God. But the flip side of that is they also had you know, world-changing sort of impact mm-hmm. on everything that they came in contact with, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so the 12, you know, the, the, the original 12 disciples, uh, well, I'm putting Paul in the original um, for obvious reasons, but they literally changed the world. Mm-hmm. And just like we talked yeah, two, two weeks, weeks ago when yes. I was here, there hasn't been any more disciples since then. Right, right? Because, uh, I'm sorry, it's apostles. Because they were unique by virtue of the fact that they lived in close proximity yeah. to Hashem. And, and, mm-hmm. and changed people's lives because of it. Right. So it's a great dovetail into the, the part that I don't get. So I know you and you have yeah you were a pig so you and you have more of a spirit filled background mm. than than surely I do um, so let, let's just take take the take the wonderful comments about Paul and the spectacular miracles and all of this and have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit don't even know what the Holy Spirit is. Never heard of the Holy Spirit. That's an odd thing. But I'm assuming they're Gentiles. So, I, you know, non-Jews. I get it. Paul lays hands on these guys, and they receive the Holy Spirit, and they prophesy. And we see several times where this is obviously a sign that there's been a change and, and so forth, and, uh, uh, and we've got something that can validate his message. I grew up in the Methodist Church. My mother was a church organist. I was in the front pew every Sunday with my two brothers. My dad was up there. He was a bass in the choir. My mother was up there. She was at the, at the organ. And it was me and my two brothers. I got medals down to here from the Methodist Church for perfect attendance in Sunday school. Never missed. I got radically saved. Long story. 
but the Lord laid his hand on me so powerfully not in a spirit filled way at least I wouldn't have said that um, but in a way that made me recognize that my life was filled with sin and I was horrified at how bad it was and I was very concerned about the friends I had. I had just come back from Texas and I literally that was Texas, man. Yeah. I literally got on a plane and flew to Texas, spent one full day there, and flew home that night just to share with the folks that I had been hanging with about the change in my life. Nobody said, wow, man, looks like you got the Holy Spirit. That never was said. When I came up out of the water after being baptized, because I was told I needed to be baptized, when I came up out of the water, the first thing the pastor the said... The sprinkled. They did. So what were you doing in the water then? I didn't get saved at the Methodist Church. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I got saved on the New Jersey Turnpike. Okay. <laughs> alone. I just... You know, so I got out of the car and prayed on the side of the car and got in the car and went, went home. And my parents weren't there. My family had left. They'd gone to Alaska. So I'm on Long Island by myself and started going to this Pentecostal church. And they baptized me. And when I came up out of the water... On the microphone, the pastor said, you need to dry off over there and go to the second door on the right for the class on speaking in tongues. I didn't do well in that class. <laughs> <laughs> but I was changed. I've been changed. I am a new man. There's no question. God reached down and killed me and raised up a new creature in Messiah Yeshua. That's a fact. Praise him. Nothing to do with me. <laughs> but if you ask me if I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit, having been in that Pentecostal environment for you know, 15, 20 minutes, I, I would have said, so, obviously no compared to some of the things I'm seeing. So I'm, I'm just wondering, am I really saved? Or am I waiting for Paul to walk in and say, you know. Yeah. So a couple things. First of all, for the record, I was not a pagan. I was a heathen. Heathen. That's the difference. I figured yeah. <laughs> there's a difference. <laughs> all right. Um, I stand corrected. <laughs> so technically we were also a Methodist, but we just, we, we just didn't participate. Um, <clears throat> so when I... When I had my, you know, Damascus Road. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I immediately started attending church with Gabby and her family, which they were attending a, um, it was essentially, a, it was very similar to Assemblies of God, yeah. which is a flavor of a Pentecostal right. yeah. um, church. And then from there, 
we ended up for we ended up in an independent charismatic church for ten years before Hashem started taking us down this whatever this thing is that we yeah yeah so um, so I think when we talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit if you're coming from a Christian background there are certain groups of Christians who have defined what that looks like right now are they wrong maybe maybe not but is that is there is the way they think that looks is that the only way it looks I don't think so I'm just because I also don't think the way most Christians define salvation or, or what sure that looks yeah. like or how it happens I also don't think that that's necessarily accurate. But I'm just trying to look at what <clears throat> description we have here. Uh, and uh, two things stuck out to me. One, my salvation experience was decidedly lackluster with regard to the Spirit in a, in a flavorful way, if, if I could put it that way. You didn't have any like fire rest. Right, right, right. No fire on the shoulders. I couldn't speak in tongues, although they tried. Man, they tried. Oh, it was, I mean, it was, it was almost comical the way they tried. But I didn't have that. And these, those are mentioned. The second thing that, that popped out to me as I was reading is the whole people getting healed and, you know, the handkerchief thing. Forget the hanky thing, you know, whether it's smacking on the head, you know, get up and walk, any of that stuff. None of that was part of my salvation experience. And these guys had that. In, in the scriptures we read this week, they had that. So I'm missing both sides of it. Now maybe the Spirit was there and is who empowered me and, and gave me the desire to go to Texas and talk to those people and then come back. You know, could be. Could, I, I don't know. So, comment. Just thinking about what we were talking about earlier, number one, Paul is on a whole nother level right. of holiness. Yeah, I get that. And 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 personally, just uh, I think of the stories of people who are doing epic miracles. Baal Shem Tov comes to mind. Watchman Nee comes to mind. And 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 these yeah. types of men Smith Wiggles. were at a close. Yeah, they're at a. But he was an evangelist in the 1800s in England. He's the guy with the um, the 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 orphanage. No, that's not. Uh, the orphanages was uh, Mueller. Yes, yeah. but yeah. same thing. Again, you've got someone. So I think first off, the holiness level is is, is different than necessarily the average B flat Granted. Christian. Granted. Number two, and also very important, is the purpose. So I think it gets lost a lot of times. Read the Book of Acts. Is that these guys get the Holy Spirit? They start speaking in tongues. But it feels like it's a one-time event, very much like Absolutely. what we see with Moses, with yeah, uh, with the, with the people. Me, and Eldad. Yeah, yeah. And the other. It says they prophesied once and not do so again. And the idea here is it's it's to make a point. Right. And if you think about some of the examples that I've given, you know, Watchman Nee, um, even Robert, Robert Mueller to some degree, it's like particularly Nee, who's who is an, is an evangelist um, in a in a uh, religious but non-Christian society. Mm-hmm. The point of the miracles that he was able to do there was to challenge the religions there and show who was really God. And that's really, I think, the, the, a lot of the focus of this. My Uncle Bob, who, Elijah. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the quote from Watchman Nee, Where is the God of Elijah? Mm-hmm. Um, my Uncle Bob does some of this stuff. And I, personally, when I hear it come from by any other source, I kind of roll my eyes. I believe him. I believe that he speaks to thousands of people and heals them and all that stuff. But he's going to crazy Muslim countries where, you know, Yeshua is not particularly well-known, taking chances, trying to speak the gospel. He's going to Africa. Where, and what he's confronting is major uh, state-focused religion or, like, heavy witchcraft-type religion. So the miracles in these places are God's, God's message, God's yeah. effort to, to show what he's doing. Anyway, so I'm just saying is that I'm not saying that it doesn't happen today. I'm saying that it really only happened then, even, for a specific purpose. I get that, and I can work with that. I just didn't want it to be a copy. I don't think that it is, although I will say this, so going back to our comments earlier, it maybe it should trouble us just the slightest bit that no one we know is on that level. Exactly. And that is a challenge to ourselves. I'm not talking about like other people, right. but to ourselves to say, what, what is my life lacking that I'm not seeing these things happen? Or, or you, know, you read about the Balsali, or you, you read about any of the... the... Balsam Toads walking on mountains, one yeah. cliff point to the next. Yeah, Just I mean, this is, these are not you know, necessarily... I, I mean, Rambam, right? Even, even, even I mean, all day long, healing people talking to them, you know, you got people waiting, you know, doesn't eat, same kind of thing. You've got, they're all throughout the thousand years prior to us. And these are not the sages of Israel. Well, um, yeah, but my current view is, does all this stuff still happen today? Yes, it does. Agreed. Um, is the popular teaching within certain evangelical branches of Christianity around speaking in tongues and whatever accurate? Uh, at one point in my journey, I thought so. I, I'm not sure I agree totally, but that is not, that's not to say that there is not an expression of that that is Legitimate and legitimate, right? Um, You know, even even you know a lot of this, a lot of the encounters that we read in the Book of Acts is with demoniacs. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I actually have had an encounter with a real demoniac. My mailman's a really trippy guy, but I wouldn't put him in that category. Well, well, so this is a this is a real quick aside because it is kind of an interesting story. But this was Gabby and I were youth pastors at this this church back in Texas. Yeah, we go during summer. We go to the youth. We take kids to camp. Right. Um, there was a girl who came with us who wasn't a regular member of the church, but her grandmother attended church, and she came with the youth group that year. Um, during one of the services that week I was up you know, our, our group was kind of sitting it was kind of ch- chapel we're kind of sitting back on the left as, you know, we had 20 or so kids that went with us that year I'm up in the front because I had asked the youth pastors to come up front for whatever 
So I'm up front, and all of a sudden one of my kids comes running up to me, and, um, well, I could hear a little bit of commotion kind of coming from the general Your direction point. of the, you know, where we, but I didn't really think anything of it. And so then all of a sudden one of the kids in, in the group comes running up, running up to me, you know, three shades of white, you know, and if you can have a shade of white, and says, oh, great, you gotta, you gotta come back, you know, something's wrong with Misty, your name's Misty. So I get up and I head, head back there, and Misty was a 14-year-old girl. Didn't weigh more than 90 pounds soaking wet. I mean, she was just tiny, petite, <clears throat> skinny little kid, you know. She is writhing, eyes rolled back. Oh, boy. It took an adult on one on one arm, one on the other arm, one on, yeah, an adult on each leg to hold her down. She's writhing, eyes rolled back, the whole nine. I mean, it, it was, you know, it was, yeah. it was, it was weird, right? Um, and we prayed for her. We prayed for her for a while. So this is going on. Of course, you know, it's a youth, it's a youth event. So the music's loud, the worship's loud, whatever. And over here in the corner, you know, we're, we're you know, we're not dealing with this 14-year-old girl who's just, yeah. you know. And um, this went on for about 30 minutes or so. And, and, and we were praying for her and Finally, she just goes limp, like a dishcloth. She's soaking wet because she had just been struggling and writhing for half an hour, 40 minutes. So she was like in just total, complete sweat. The rest of us were in a complete sweat just trying to hold her, you know. And finally, she just goes limp, like a dishcloth. And um, it was, it, it come to find out later, we found out that, um, the grandmother shared that the granddaughter, you know, came from a broken home and found out that she had been dabbling in a cult and mm. stuff, right? So there had been a door opened, you know, uh, with some of her activities and well, it manifested, yeah. right? And um, it was just, it was, it was weird. And I've never, never seen, hadn't seen anything like that before, haven't yeah. seen anything since. Yeah. But it's, it, out there. it's there, you know. It it does happen. Yeah. Um. Uh, so, depending on what your background, like if you if you come from a Pentecostal charismatic background, and you know you come from a Benny Hinn sort of background, like I know your parents, yeah, you yeah. know, you know that perspective is completely normal, right? And it's not a it's not a it's not a big deal. And if you come from a different perspective where you're a little weird if you do any of that. So again, who's right, who's wrong? I think as as is typical, I think there's I think they're both right and they're both wrong. Yeah. There's, right? there's value from right. both perspectives, yeah. yeah. And 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 I, I think that's probably a healthy way to look at it. I, I I do think the speaking in tongues, not unlike numbers, is 
is a one-time thing to validate the message, to, to validate the, the occurrence. In the, or for a purpose of, of communicating yeah. with somebody who doesn't speak your language. Yeah. I have actually, I knew somebody that like accidentally communicated, like spoke to a Chinese person, had no idea that they were speaking Chinese, but the person understood them perfectly. <laughs> yeah, so I get it. You know what he's got? He can do that. So I just wanted to make it clear that my history does not include hankies or anything. That's probably like, that, that's an excellent explanation, Joshua, of like probably how I've come to sort of understand it. Because before, tongues was never, I mean, at least in, in the times that it was presented in certain churches that we were at, it wasn't presented like that, where it was for a specific purpose and someone there could actually understand what it was. It wasn't really like that. It was right. actually very much more um, Mark 16 when Yeshua talks specifically about like, and these signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents in their uh, with, with their hands. If they drink deadly poison. You know that that whole thing. It, it always seemed more like that, where it was like, if you're really saved, this will be then you should probably speak in tongues somehow, similar to what you were saying. Exactly. And in which case, it does come across a bit more forced because it doesn't the the situation or the scenarios doesn't match yeah. usually the tongues scenarios right. that we right. see in scripture where it, it there seem, are people understanding it, it doesn't seem to or, require right yeah or out of the blue yeah you start speaking to somebody in a completely and different language it. yeah um so that that's that's kind of altered my thinking about that but then with with verses like this i do kind of wonder what, so so Yeshua is making it clear that there are some miracles or some supernatural type of things that well, accompany those who believe. Virtually every one of the ones that he describes, we actually read about in the lives of the apostles. Yes, yes. Including the thing with the snake. That mm -hmm. happens to Paul. So you think you think maybe the the context of this is is maybe. Leaning I, I more think towards the kind of, apostles as opposed yeah, to I think, all yeah, who believe. To, to Greg's point, okay. you know, two weeks ago, that's what made them apostles was that he specifically commissioned them. He sent them out. They had a mission to evangelize, you know, and they had there and there anointing to do it exactly. Yeah, and what he describes is what we read about actually happened in the Acts of the Apostles. Yeah, and plus also I think too that. Um, Again, like I was just saying earlier, Book of Hebrews does the level of, of, of holiness also is important. I mean, you mentioned an experience with someone demoniac. The closest I ever come to that kind of experience was in Israel, because Jerusalem is like. I thought you were going to say it was your mother-in-law. Uh, in Jerusalem, <laughs> uh, in Jerusalem, my mother-in-law is a great woman. I know it. Uh, in Jerusalem, <laughs> the uh, the the spiritual clashes are really intense. Oh, you and can so, feel it. It's almost yeah. Tangible. You literally can feel it. I mean, I and, and you speak to people from different religions; they can feel it. Yeah, like it's really there. And um, and the experiences you have both with God and in dealing with the opposite side, so to speak, um, are a lot more tangible than they would be other places. And I, but I think that part of that goes back to what we were saying earlier about this idea of like spiritual holiness. It's like if if our lives were perhaps more focused or more close to God, or if we were in the battle more. Or we're in the battle more, we might see and experience these things more. Not to say that's what we're doing those miracles all the time, but I mean, I think about, I mean, I can't help but think about Baal Shem Tov. I mean, you know, you read the accounts of Baal Shem Tov. The guy is 
legendary mm-hmm. in terms of miracles. I mean, people don't yeah, realize yeah. that, but I mean, you think about like Honey the Circle Drawer. God, he tells God he wants it to rain, and it does. Benny Shai. Benny Shai. I mean, there are some amazing yeah. miracles, you know. And maybe the miracles are to validate the message or the messenger. But also, but I do really do believe that part of it is being in a place in which you're dependent upon God and being at a closeness to God to which, as it says in Psalm 145, you know, that he hears, that he hearkens those who are close to him. Sure. So you get this, I mean, like Robert Mueller is a great example. He doesn't, he, he does need God to do miracles, but it's not so much so it can be evangelistic. He just literally needs God to do miracles. That's right. And God he's gotta, does. He's got to feed the kids. It's not Robert Mueller. Isn't it George Mueller? George Mueller. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 George Mueller. Robert Mueller is the painter. Yeah. George Mueller. This is also the reason why in this day a lot of Judaism was really perplexed by this phenomena because, again, the people who theoretically are closest to God, you know, they've, you know, they, they're they bringing a the knowledge of the one true God you know, to the world, they, you know, et cetera, et cetera. They, are, you know, many of them are thinking, how can these people be getting this the a, Holy Spirit? He's a fisherman. He doesn't even know the Torah. Yeah. How can he be getting the Holy Spirit? Or even because he's not reserved. even Jewish. Right. Because that was reserved for right. men who Top had this yeah. devotion and this closeness and this unique relationship. It, it demonstrated lifelong devotion that had right. spent time to get there. Yeah. Yeah, well, you and I talked about that before. We and this in in our in our little lesson here, the thing that has really helped me kind of balance these two positions is the example of the guys that try to do the sign without the relationship. Yeah. Right. And we see what yes. happens with that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, your point is excellent about like these every single person we read about who have these experiences are on such a high level of holiness, yeah. and that's the prerequisite to these things happening. So when you hear a verse like Yeshua is speaking of, that's not necessarily a guarantee that when you first become a believer, these things should be evident or you, you, you should start doubting whether you're saved or not. Right. But it's, these are things that come with the increase of your relationship with Hashem and your closeness with Him. But that's not necessarily the goal. And we see what happens right. when it becomes the goal. Right. You right. totally get shut down, and you end up running out naked and wounded. <laughs> wounded. No that's one right. wants that. That's right. That's right. Well, that's that's always bad. Yeah, because then you become a fraud. Because right. then you start fabricating yeah. signs and You wonders, try looking for the yeah. shortcuts. And, you know, and really somebody's whispering in your ear that this person back here has the little Isn't it fascinating what the result of this is? So... Contrast, Paul, his hankies, the sons of Skeva, and they're running away naked and wounded. And what's the next impact? Not only does the fear of God fall upon them, that's obvious. Okay, that's cool. But all of the believing Ephesians take their magic books and set them on fire. They all decide, obviously, I mean, an enormous amount of money. I mean, I I, I couldn't, when I'm reading through this, we're reading through this just now, and I remember, I mean, that's that's a mark when you know you really committed. It reminded me of... um, um, brother-in-law Isaac, as he was kind of coming around, attending his class and growing, and, and really kind of starting to develop his faith 
Um, I remember like, the first time uh, he said he decided not to attend his Halloween party. And up until that point, up until that point, he was like the Halloween king. Yeah. I mean, it was like... Favorite holiday. And, I, and so he actually stood up to his own friends who had no idea why he wasn't doing it anymore and said he wasn't going to do it anymore because it didn't fit with his faith. And it's like... That was like a, a marking line to say, yeah. oh, okay, this is real. It's not just, he's not just showing off for us. This is actually changing his life. Exactly. And I think the same thing kind of happens here with the Ephesians. It's like, this is a this is a, a gut check moment for them. They're actually acting on it. But I think it's so cool because it reminds me so much of, of the story of Moses and Aaron. So Moses and Aaron show up in Egypt, and according to the Midrash, they're like, we bring beans to Bean Town? I mean, this is magic land. Why would you come and do miracles here? We can do everything. But... God ultimately uses them to shut down the kingdom of magic in in Egypt, and that's essentially what happens here. I mean, this is like this feels like, based on the account acts, a, a a focal point of Asia, yeah. and yet Paul's coming in and he's Smack putting the shame so much that they're literally going, "Never mind. Obviously, we what we're doing is not good enough. We want what he has." And they burn their stuff. I, I think also from a Jewish perspective, Judaism. Has a unique relationship with signs and wonders. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. Uh, you know. Uh, in fact, they made the words sign, wonder. Those are Jewish words. Well, but but they also, even when signs and wonders like the splitting of the Dead Sea happened before their eyes, they still struggled yeah. with mm-hmm. believing that. Mm-hmm. Even though they actually literally experienced it, they still struggled with believing that, and hence they walked around in circles for 40 years till they dropped dead, right? Um, and in the 40 years they're in the wilderness every day is a manifest miracle bread is falling out of heaven every day but yet when they finally when the generation finally enters into the land all the miracles stop now there's no more you cannot rely on miracles for your daily sustenance you now have to plow the field yeah. and plant the seed make your own bread and so Judaism has this kind of love-hate relationship with signs and wonders yeah. because on the one hand it teaches you cannot you cannot you cannot rely on miracles <clears throat> you have to do whatever you can do right mm-hmm. but, but then by the same token God is a God of miracles mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so it's kind of this yeah, it's, 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 it's a it's tension, tension there it's a healthy tension yeah um, and if you lean too far in one way or the other, you can you can kind of go off the reservation a little bit yeah. because if mm-hmm. you kind of harden your heart to signs and wonders, then you're going to you're going to miss opportunities in your life for God to mm-hmm. really sh- really do Definitely. things, or for God or for you to do things God to do things for other people through you. Right. Mm-hmm. Flip side is if you live out here, you know, in in kind of eth ethereal land, you know, and everything is manna from heaven and everything is whatever, you know, you're, those people tend to be really hard to relate to and quite frankly become less effective yeah. in their minute, in their war right? Well, and your example about, um, about Egypt, about the wilderness, almost to me makes me wonder if miracles are almost like a beginner's level introduction to God. It's yeah. like, because um, I don't, I think it's interesting to me that throughout the book of Acts, Acts is a foundational moment in 
in Judaism. Um, not unlike the Baal Shem Tov is a foundational moment in Judaism. Um, more so than the Baal Shem Tov, but similar. there's a similarity there. And so it's like, it's interesting that there's miracles associated with that. Almost like, look, kind of like the same with Egypt. So like the people are in Egypt, their relationship with God is nothing. So God's got it. It does miracles to wake them up, to get them to realize who He is, to show them how much He loves them, to care of them. Validate it's, the message. Rally the message. Teach them who He is. Help them kind of understand the relationship with God. And then it's almost like the entrance to, into across the Jordan to the land of Israel. It's like a graduation of sorts. Well, now you don't need miracles. Your relationship with God is strong enough that you can see the day-to-day -day miracles without the obvious but, ones. But it's almost counterintuitive. You, you think when you arrived into the promised land. Now everything should be miracles, right? Because you've arrived to the promised land and the messianic age, or whatever you know. I don't want to characterize that, but no, it's now you're you're on your own, yeah. right? You're, you're I sustained you in the wilderness. Now to you're get here. you here, now I've provided here. the land. You've got to you got to work for food, which, which is exactly the way it was in the garden. Yeah. I provided the garden. Now here you go. Yes, uh, I do agree with Mr. Bring on that. Where. Um, where God provides them in the wilderness and how and what happened with where they had to roam around for, for, for 40 years and only their children were able to see the land that's right what's what I what's interesting about about um, going into the land is that you know God is introducing them to what if they believe in him the, uh, he's showing them what they can receive and when they went when God presented the land to them, they thought, yeah, exactly. With Greg's, with Mr. Greg's point on, we're gonna have all these miracles. You know, we're gonna be, we're gonna flourish under God. But, uh, but then he, but then he brings down the hammer, and God says, no, you guys have to provide for yourself. I'm gonna teach you a lesson on how to make what I provided for you in the desert: quail, bread. You have to grow this on your own. You have to hunt this on your own, and you have to. Uh, flourish by yourselves besides relying on God yeah. to help you out through your it, well, it becomes it becomes a teamwork thing yeah, right? yeah. so we, we see that yeah. with the with the mozi blessing right right he doesn't bring forth bread from the earth he brings forth grain from the earth and we work on the grain to make it into bread right mm -hmm. so it's it's a team deal it is it's this is an excellent point and this it kind of brings home Thessalonians more because some of the words that we were using to describe the overall theme of Thessalonians were keep working hard, keep at it, like right. keep going, right. you know, because your introduction may have been miraculous, but to your point, Mr. Uppo, once you're in the land, that's where the work starts, yeah, but yeah. that's where the, the relationship deepens, and that's where a lot of amazing things can happen, unlike, you know, not unlike marriage, right? I mean, hmm. it starts off very miraculous and you can't even believe that you found this one. Fireworks. And then, and then you start. Before. And you've, yeah, exactly. And then you start, you get married, and it's work from then on, but it's amazingly, it's incredible. Yeah, it's made of. Um, but yeah, I, I, Thessalonians kind of comes home to this to say, hmm. you got to keep at it, keep, hard, keep working hard, because that endurance is going to pay off. Yeah, good connection. It's deeper. Um, as you were talking earlier, it reminded me of uh, the young men will have visions and the old men will dream dreams. The young man gets visions because it just tells you clearly. <laughs> the old man gets dreams because he has to dig in and work at it to figure out what does this mean. Yeah. So he's participating with God. So it's a rainbow. In the desert, you're getting the, the clear... Mm -hmm. 
easier thing, but also learning who God is. And then when you go into the land, you have to work harder, but you also have to live by faith day to day and right. and uh, go down the path that God would have you go during your daily life. Amen. And, and that's really what I think the lesson here is. The miracles are the introduction to God, but the, the purpose of them is not that God then somehow tests you after that and, well, miracles are over, so you have to learn to trust me without seeing anything. It's, it's more the idea of, now that you know that I'm here, can you see me in everything? Mm-hmm. And that was one of the really beautiful stories from um, the Six Constants Vote, one of the rabbis in that one. Um, his daughter runs out of oil for Shabbat. She can't light the Shabbat candles. And the rabbi says, just use vinegar. And she's like, but, but you know, rabbi, burn. the vinegar won't burn. And he's like, why does oil burn? God makes oil burn. If God can make oil burn, why can't he make vinegar burn? And he does. Yeah. It works. But the point, though, the idea behind it, and the reason why they use that illustration in the Sixth Constant Vote is not to highlight the rabbi's miracle. Or to they, try and get you to burn vinegar. No, either <laughs> one. They actually use it to say everything is a miracle. Amen. And really, the purpose of miracles is to show that. The reason why the miracles occur in the wilderness was an introduction doesn't mean the miracles stop. It's that the miracles simply become harder to see. But the but they're always happening. If God's really in charge, everything's a miracle. And I think that's really what we're getting at here is the the miracles. And I'm not, that's what I'm saying. The irony is you have to be an elite person in your relationship with God to do miracles. But the purpose of miracles are really more to speak, to support a, a smaller or weaker faith. The goal is to get to a place where you see everything as a miracle. A miracle is someone like Job who goes through hell and back and doesn't lose his faith. That's right. Because he knew. Right? It, My God's there right. is no manna from heaven that's going to sway him one way or the other. Right. Yeah. You know, and that mm-hmm. is a, that's a miracle. I mean, that's God in his life. Even, right? even, so. even though, even, even so, I will that everything is a miracle. Yep. Right. Even so, I will G, uh, trust him. G.K. Chesterton, in his book of Orthodoxy, mm-hmm. is he's got illustration after illustration of, of this very point about, and he uses all kinds of examples about how, like, what if the sun didn't actually rise, or what if what if the rose was blue before you looked at it and then it was red, you know, and and kind of looking at the world with like these childlike eyes so that we can see God in everything. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I've seen that just raising kids, you know, and, and I think it's our job as parents to continue that mm-hmm. curiosity and that mm-hmm. wonder without, you know, trying to rationalize it too much. There's like, you know, inserting the explanation that Hashem is the creator and Hashem makes all this happen, but also leaving that room for that amazement and wonder and kind of being inspired by it from looking at our kids too. Amen. That's exactly right. I think... Uh Orthodoxy is a great book. I, when I read through it, I, I tried to highlight all of the cool stories and examples so I could memorize them. And then I, I realized about halfway through the book that I had highlighted nearly every line on every page. So it would probably be better just get another copy and highlight the stuff that really didn't make any sense. So it's good. Excellent. I've got it now on the iPad so I can use different color highlights. Nice. <laughs> Cool. All right. Well, this this has been exactly what I had hoped for, and uh, and I think we came up with some good answers to uh, some of the questions uh, with regard to the miracles and so forth. So, um, 
the the length of the story we did in Acts this week is not unlike the ones we're going to be doing. There's there's not many more, but there'll be little snippets like this uh, as Paul is moving from place to place. And of course, as he goes to a place, he he might write to them again. So uh, uh, we'll do the uh, we'll do the, the maps uh, next week and uh, have some pizza and. Uh, so you'll have all different colors of paint, and we'll draw them on the wall? <laughs> you should no. check with Alan before you do anything having to do with the walls. We're still, we're still talking about what we're going to put on the walls. Pictures. Paintings. You should do the timeline Pictures around the Pictures and paintings were things we're going to, you know, I actually came up with that idea. That did not fly for <laughs> even a moment. I mean, it was, you know, it was, it was almost like a walk out of the room kind of thing. It was just it wasn't going to happen. Like they had the right artist. Mike yeah, yeah. <laughs> if only Michelangelo were still around. But it's all serious. Yeah. You should get a long photo of a, an old World War One fighter. Yeah, that won't go over either. Since, <laughs> since all of your representations of the wall after you've taught them end up on like a square and on a piece of paper, we could do that on the table and know which corner is pointing to which wall. So. Those of us in the room have the visual, wow. but then at the end we actually end up with something you can share. Nice. How about we just like we can you can use the dry erase markers on this. <laughs> that also will get us. Really. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh, uh, you want to close us? Sure. Close us in prayer. Um, anything particular, or just off the top of my head? Well, if you. How about can... led by the spirit? <laughs> I like nice. it. Okay. Nice. Remember Nehemiah if you can. He's got a he's job. Got his, well, he's his got test. a test coming up. Okay. Okay. Good. First job. Um, yeah, Heavenly Father, we just come to you and we thank you that you are the God who does miracles and that uh, you do miracles every day all, all the time and that you hear our prayers and you answer and you respond and, and just as you did then, you do now. Um, and we just pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and teach us about you, growing us closer to you that we would be worthy of seeing and doing miracles. Mm. Um, and more importantly, not to see the miracles, but to experience you more deeply and more richly. Pray for Nehemiah as he's uh, working and studying for work, that you would bless him um, and give him um, uh, direction and guidance and focus and that he would be successful. We thank you for the miracles you're doing in our own lives, uh, things like giving me a son. Um, thank you for the amazing things that you're continuing to do for us. We pray that you would uh, continue to open our eyes to see where those miracles are each day. In Yeshua's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, gentlemen. We, uh,